Hello and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blogcast. This is episode 247. My name is Emily Rainbow Davis. I am happy to be talking to you today, whenever you're listening. Whatever your today is, is the day I'm glad to be talking to you. <laughs> uh, here's how this works. I'm going to say some things, then I'm going to read you a blog, and then I'm going to play you a song. I just finished recording the song, so I feel like I have a little bit of the song's energy still in me. So if that was a perhaps more animated introduction than you're used to, I think that's why. <laughs> I can feel like like my energy is like, woo, okay, here we go. Oh, right, that, we don't need to do that anymore. Uh, yeah, so um, this blog podcast is about a podcast that I listen to. So it's like a little podcast circle, a little circle of podcasts. I listened to a podcast. I wrote a blog about it. Now I'm recording the podcast of the blog about the initial podcast. So, uh, and the podcast that I listened to was uh, WTF with Mark Marin, which is a podcast that has been on it's like almost since the beginning of podcasts, I think. Uh, and I have been listening to it for, for quite some time. I don't listen to every episode anymore. I'm sorry. I feel like there's like so many podcasts now. Uh, but I did listen to this episode about Jake Gyllenhaal, about with Jake Gyllenhaal. He uh, was the guest on the show. And so I, I had some responses and uh, and I wrote about him. So here it is. It is called... WTF with Jake Gyllenhaal. Granted, I'm a little wound up. Theater's been on really stinky mothballs for a year, and I'm really tired of my tiny apartment. So forgive me if this response to a little podcast episode I listened to is a little overblown, but WTF... Actually, the name of the podcast is WTF, and that is also literally how I felt after listening to the episode with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's not Gyllenhaal's fault or Marin's fault. Mark Marin is the host. It's his podcast. It's just that their talk about theater made me feel a lot of things, and most of them weren't good. First, a couple of people who spend most of their time in the film and TV worlds waxing rhapsodic about theater is always a little triggering. Like, yes, you're right. There is magic in a theater with an audience. It is the greatest. Damn it. Ouch. Now go back to making your money. Second, and this is the bit that is getting me all itchy and twisted, Gyllenhaal was describing how the show Seawall, A Life came about. And on one hand, it is a super sweet story about how a collaboration became a show that a lot of people really liked. I did not see it. On the other hand, it is an infuriating journey through the fame-hungry annals of American theater. I mean, listen, Gyllenhaal is a movie star. I like a lot of things he's done. I got no beef with him. He seems nice, and he's fun to look at on a screen. It's charming that people fall asleep next to him on the subway. But Lord have mercy. This movie star loved a little personal piece by a writer he worked with and wanted to perform it, even though it was not written to be performed. 
but the movie star wanted to do it. So he eventually persuaded the writer to let him do it, and that writer was buddies with another writer who also had a short monologue that wasn't really for the stage, and so they put the two pieces together, and voila! Play! You know, which, you know, that's cool. Cool, that's cool. Put on whatever you want. But... Then there's the part where the movie star gets a year's worth of development of this piece at the public theater. <laughs> he gets to fuck around for a year at the public with all its resources at his disposal, discovering what this piece could be. And flames! Flames on the side of my face! Why, Emily? Do you not want to go see Jake Gyllenhaal on the stage? I mean, I'd go if somebody gave me a ticket. I, I can't afford those prices. But that's not it. I, I don't object to a movie star getting to put on a play. I, I don't object to him taking all the time he needs to make something he loves. But what I do object to are our nonprofit institutions giving time and space to movie stars when there are so many worthy, unsupported theater folk out there who would take a year residency at the public and absolutely murder it. I know that's not how the public works. I know that it will give space to celebrities because they'll bring in audiences later, and it's all very logical. But it does rather feel like if a movie star read a cereal box that they thought might be a fun show, the public would give over all its resources so we could all see the story of Honey Nut Cheerios or whatever. Maybe we got lucky and Jake Gyllenhaal's buddy's piece was really the best thing seen on a stage. And so, yay! Again, I don't know. I did not see Seawall alive. But it is indicative of how stuff goes on. Or went on. I don't know what sort of theater we'll get back when we get back. I don't expect the public to let me come develop a show there. It's not about me. They'll give me space in a major institution with their resources behind me and watch the fuck out. But what it is about are all the resources that artists need to be able to get a leg up in this theater world being given over to celebrities and corporate interests and more and more narrow pipelines. The public wants to be seen as an inclusive, diverse bastion of creativity. But when it comes down to it, their choicest reserves are for a group of white movie star guys. Also, the guy who runs the place is a white guy whose compensation adds up to a million dollars a year. He gets paid that money to give space to movie stars. And it's not even about the public. Any theater in the country would have given Jake Gyllenhaal space to develop his little idea. But anyone who's not a movie star will probably have to go to Yale Drama School first, and even then, no one will give him a year to develop something. And listen, I know Gyllenhaal is not unaware of his privilege. He knows theater is elitist. He explains that's why he became a Broadway producer and produced Jeremy O'Harris's slave play. And that is a good thing. 
it is good to see a play by a black playwright featuring black people on Broadway. And congrats to Yale grad Jeremy O'Harris for breaking a barrier. But this barrier breaking took a Yale grad and a movie star to get there. Also, I was struck by the fact that in the WTF conversation about elitism on Broadway, the extremely unaffordable ticket prices never came up. Anyway, whatever. It's fine. It's really just a silly little reaction to a podcast I listened to and then couldn't stop thinking about and feeling things about. There might not even be any theater when this is all over. There's no reason to get all worked up right now. But after listening to that podcast, I worry it's going to be just movie stars in our theater from here on out. They'll be the only ones who can afford to do it at a certain point. And all the theaters will line up to give them space. So go figure, you put the name of a celebrity in your blog post, it gets a few more hits than it usually does. Because people like celebrities, yes they do. I don't think that's the only reason this one was a hit. I think uh, some, I know some people appreciated it. So that's nice also. Sometimes you like things for reasons besides celebrities. And that is good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It did feel a little weird to like go on a rant about theater when there is no theater. Like it feels like, oh, everyone here is dead. You're not allowed to be mad at them. But um, everyone's not dead. That Some of them are still drawing a salary, even though they're not doing anything. <laughs> anyway, whatever. I'm, I, I, I can be mad. I can be mad about many things. I, I encompass many mads. My fury is a many-faceted creature. So... Uh, the song that is going to be here for you shortly is a song that I actually started to work on um, with the Cuomo post. Uh, I sort of was working on this one and uh, You're No Good kind of simultaneously, and I wasn't sure which one I was going to use. Uh, so this one sort of was ready to go and in the pipeline, uh, as it were. Pipeline being a fairly loaded term in the American theater. <laughs> Um, but my own personal pipeline, not the theater pipeline. So if you want to sort of connect this song to the Cuomo post in your mind as well, you, you, you may. Uh, the song is uh, Good Old Boys Club by Casey Musgraves. And uh, I, ha I have like fond memories of this song because this song is why I heard of Casey Musgraves. Uh, my mom and I were in Portland, Maine, walking around, and I heard literally this song. I was like, what? What's happening over there on that pier? I think I'm hearing someone say, good old boys club. <laughs> and so we kind of walked over. We, we couldn't, you know, get for past the, like, entryway, but we could see, you know, the show going on a little bit and uh, watched her sing this song. And I was like, I have to know who this person is. <laughs> the song is amazing. Um, and, uh, and, you know, now I'm a big fan. I think she's amazing. She's the greatest. Uh, so, um, yeah, so the, the, here it will be in a moment. Good old boys club. I was thinking about 
it putting it here and thinking like, well, is this song the right song? Because is the public really a boys club? They wouldn't think so. They certainly don't think of themselves as a boys club. Um, but they did have a, a, a woman as an artistic director for maybe a year and a half, two years. So uh, we did the math. That's like 2% of the history of the public. They had a, a woman in charge. Um, basically, Joanne Acolytus took over uh, after Joe Papp died. Um, but since then, you know, that was a while ago. And uh, I feel fairly comfortable saying that it is a boys club. I have not been a part of it or near enough to it to attest to the atmosphere. But I feel like based on the choices they make and the shows they put on and how they choose what to do, et cetera, et cetera, that it feels pretty clear that it is in fact a boys club. Um, and, in, and, and a movie star boys club. Like it's not even just like boys at the, you know, baseball hut or what, what do you, what, I don't know what you call it anyway, but it, it's like a movie star boys club is what that is. Anyway, so I feel I feel fairly comfortable connecting this song and this post, even though I don't think the public is like a typical boys club. Certainly not the boys club that Casey Musgraves is referring to. She's talking about the like country music boys club. But uh, they are companions, are they not? Anyway, thank you for listening. If you like the podcast, please tell someone about it. Share it on the social media. Like, subscribe, all the things. Uh, if you'd like to support it, there's patreon.com slash Emily R. Davis, Kofi, PayPal. All those links are in the show notes. And uh, always much appreciated. So, thank you. And now, without further ado, I give to you Casey Musgraves's. The song of Casey Musgrave, Good Old Boys Club, on ukulele. Just
Your good old boys come.